Live from the Golden Circle Sports Book and Bar inside the Treasure Island Hotel and Casino. It's Throw the Flag with your hosts, Gooch. I'm still getting used to this. I'm still getting used well, to well, this. Well, it's almost the end of the season. Oh, great. <laughs> we only got three shows left, and I might not even make next week because I'm still on Baby Watch. And Willie Ramirez. I love how you know everybody in this town. And don't Everybody forget. in this town. R- remind yourself and of that. don't that forget it. Was that a threat? The second that you are ready to cross <laughs> me, think to yourself, wait a minute. Willie may know somebody. Yeah. On ESPN Las Vegas. I, I don't think that it's officially Christmas until we hear Run DMC's uh, Christmas in Hollis. We are at the Treasure Island. It is Willie Ramirez, and I'm solo today without Gooch, without my voice, but you know what? With two weeks left for Throw the Flag, uh, we are going to bring you the show and we are going to get it done. Why? Because, well, that's what we do. You know, it's like it's like a football season and you're up against it and we got some blockbuster guests and you just don't sit the game out. It's like the Michael Jordan flu, except I don't have a flu. I just barely have a voice and uh, but I'll be fine because I got Lindsay quarterback in the show back at the uh Finley Lotus Studios. I got James on my left, and we got an outstanding show today. Um, So I'm excited for this. We're going to get through it, and everybody's just going to bear with me and talk crap on Twitter, I guess, about my scraggly voice. Lindsay, how are you? I'm doing well, and there are definitely worst ways to go viral. So I I commend you for, for your perseverance. You're setting a great example. I would be in bed, but you know what? This is why I need inspirations like you in my life. Well, you know, I here's the thing. I, I texted my uncle this morning, world-class singer, and I said, what would Uncle Paul do? Mm. So I've been making hot cups of tea and throwing four or five Ricola at the bottom of it rather than honey. Sure. So that gets infused right into the tea. And uh, I got my man, James. He's going to be on cue. It's almost like we're going to have a cough button. I'll just point to him when I need the volume dropped. Yeah, and uh, we we we're gonna be fine. We're gonna be fine. It's just a, it's just a different sound today. It's almost like I'm doing an impression, and yeah. it, and, it, and it works well because our first guest who's coming up, and he and hopefully he'll sit in with us for a little bit, is actor comedian Brett Ernst. Now this is an original Jersey guy, okay? Jersey, uh, a Jersey Guido. Forget about it. So I think the voice kind of falls right in perfect. If you know what <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. You just got to have it come from a different part of your diaphragm. You have to labor through it a little bit differently. Yeah, it's going yeah. it's going to come and go and be gra- scraggly and it'll be fun and we'll work with it. Uh 2 weeks left as I mentioned in this season's throw the flag. Been an incredible run. This is episode 18, season 2. And uh, as I mentioned, Brett Ernst, who plays cousin Louie on Cobra Kai, he will be joining us at 10 o'clock. New UNLV coach Barry Odom will be joining. Will be joining the show, and then at ten eighteen, Hall of Fame NFL writer Shereen Williams will be coming on to talk about the league, talk about the Raiders. So, pretty big show. 
And uh, as we, as I said, lead up to our final edition uh, next Saturday here at Treasure Island. But come on down and join us. We're giving away tickets to a G League game. You fill out the raffle. We got some T-shirts. Plus, they got the World Cup on. They got uh, college football. We got Army Navy game coming up, and of course, all the college basketball action. Big weekend or big big Saturday of action uh, with college basketball around town. So that'll be exciting. UNLV playing over at the MGM. But big news, Lindsay. Big news. The biggest of news. So I get a text last night, this morning. Gooch welcomed his son, Atlas Rock Hahn, at 12.46 a.m. Gooch is a father. Officially. It's officially official. Congratulations, a- Gooch. What a, what a day, what a night, what a moment for him, I'm sure. He called it last week, right? He said, I don't even know if I'm going to be there because he's on baby watch. So he texted me yesterday. He said, hey, I'm headed to the hospital. And then he said, oh, false alarm. They're sending us home. So we're going back and forth, and then all of a sudden he says, oh, man, they're keeping us. So what a day for his uh, fiance, uh, bless her heart, you know, because that, 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 be, that can be tricky, I, I would imagine. right? What, the being, Braxton Hicks uh, effect, for sure. Going and then being sent, but nobody, yep. you know, um, I, we didn't go through that with Jordan, uh, his mother. We he was waited. ready to go? Well, he just, we just waited, and she, um, I was actually working at the Review Journal, mm-hmm. and she called. We stayed in touch the entire day. I knew she was going through contractions, and she was like, no, no, no. Her mom was on the phone with her the entire day. That was the, back in the day of landlines were still a real thing. And uh, I just waited to the right moment. I left the Review Journal, picked her up, went to UMC, and I think we got there about 6, 7 o'clock, and 11 o'clock, Jordan came. Nice. And next, you know, eleven twenty-seven. And it's not too bad of a labor in terms of getting there and then uh, the kid getting out. I was a, a twenty-four-hour labor myself, so I'm told, and I was two weeks late, and so I was a fat baby. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, I was like nine pounds, eleven ounces, and I, so I was not small. It was a hell of a time. No wonder you're a handful these days. Yeah, seriously though, I was just all in my own timing, and and that's ultimately the the waiting game when it comes to you know labor and everything else, and. It means something different to everybody, like moms versus dads, and whether it's your first kid, your second kid, like it's different every time, and it's a miracle every time. So super pumped for Gooch, super pumped. Um, so what are you pumped for most this weekend? Because there's, like I said, there's a lot of action. I don't know how much college basketball you watch. Not a ton. Okay, um, there is a ton of action around town. I don't. I know that we ha- we're broadcasting UNLV. I don't know if you're going to be in there running the board, but I will be. Okay, so we got UNLV coming up this afternoon. We got an event over at Mandalay. Golden Knights are back in action tomorrow against mm-hmm. Boston. A return date after VGK went out there. We are going to touch on that on the Professor Brown segment coming up. Um, they got the win last night, which mm-hmm. again we'll touch on, and then. You're Vikings. So we got NFL. We got Lions week, baby. Now, this has been a big talk this week, Linz. Yeah. This has been a major talk about them because here's this team that's got one of the best records in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Are they tied for the best? 10 and 2. 10 and 2. Just one behind the, the Philadelphia Eagles, I believe. And they are the road underdog mm-hmm. to the Detroit Lions. Now, what they say usually is, you know, that, that draws the suckers in. You get the squares and go, what? That's crazy. And they come and they bet the better team. Mm -hmm. But the sharp players know 
those big, big, shiny buildings, you know, down on Las Vegas Boulevard? Yes. You know, the hotel, the casinos? I'm familiar. They, they got the big, shiny marquees? Yes. Okay, those weren't built because they lose. Oh. The bookmakers, they win. So they know what they're doing when they put these lines out. So, what do you think? Your Vikings are underdogs. They are. They are. And and it's interesting to see just because of how much success that they've been able to have this year. But in a lot of ways, it's kind of fool's gold because they, they haven't been a consistent team over a course of an entire game. They've been very much a fourth quarter team. And they've managed to kind of fall on the lucky side where they're, they've gotten a 10 and 2. But they've gotten wins the last couple weeks over the New York Jets, over the New England Patriots after getting absolutely spanked by the Cowboys. I know we still have uh, our, our lunch date to get to for that. But, you know, the Lions are such an interesting team because, you know, there's such a reputational holdover that they're the Lions, don't expect anything from them. They're, the, the organization is a dumpster fire. But Dan Campbell started to turn that around last year, and they've been able to make even more strides this year with Jared Goff as their quarterback. Like, the uh, Amon St. Uh, Brown character is yes. an unbelievable talent, unbelievable receiver. Beast. Uh, absolutely. And and they've managed to to get some wins over some teams in the in the in recent weeks. I mean, they beat Jacksonville last week 40 to 14. Like how often do you see the Lions scoring 40 points on anybody? Not very often. And they lose to Buffalo, which you would kind of expect. And then they had the win over the Giants and the Bears who are kind of rising in the latter half of this season so far. And so I think that they're working with a lot of momentum on their side. But overall, the Vikings are more talented but can they execute on the road like Ford Field isn't an easy place to play no and um you know we we cover this a lot on the Westgate show on Sundays Mm -hmm. we give out um all the information we break down each game that should be fun tomorrow on that second segment where I just roll through non-stop talking um that's why Lindsay by the way at the top of the show said that I am on word count Yes. The rest of the day. That's what I'm here for, to, um, to swim around. But we will give you some numbers on this Vikings-Lions game since it came up. The Vikings have failed to cover the last four meetings. Um, and the Vikings have failed to cover six of their last seven against the NFC. Mm. Detroit is on a 5-0 and spread streak. They've covered five straight. And they are 7-0. Seven straight covers against divisional opponents so it'll be interesting to see how Dan Campbell has his team fired up for tomorrow's showdown with Lindsay's Minnesota Vikings now of course at 951 we have these time stamped of course Lindsay we Mm -hmm. are always on time organized we are yes Uh, we have the best bets the gambling segment everybody loves I am 14 2 and 1 after picking the Lions last week Gooch had his beloved Browns. He went 12 and 5. Or, or excuse me, he's 12 and 5. Um, so we will have some picks. Hopefully, Brett Ernst will stick around and hang out with us and give us a pick. I know he's a, he likes to gamble. I'm not sure if it's table games or he bets the, the sports, but we'll get his opinion because he's joining us at 9.33. So we'll ask him to stick around. And uh, get his pick and see what he likes in football. All right, we are uh, off and running. I'm going to try to drink some hot tea with some lemon and suck some uh, Ricola cough drops. Drop some honey. When we come back, Lindsay is going to talk about last night's game against the Flyers, an overtime win. 
we are going to break down the Golden Knights and the Flyers on ESPN Las Vegas. Marty McFly went back to the future with the help of Doc Brown. Willie and Gooch get to look into the future with the help of Professor Brown, better known as Downtown Lindsey Brown. That's right. We are back at the Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. We do it every single Saturday. Well, we got two Saturdays left. I am Willie Ramirez, your solo host. Well, I'm not solo because Lindsay's always got my back. Yeah, I'm here. And uh, but Gooch, our our usual co-host, comedian, uh, target for verbal onslaught whenever I feel it. Mm-hmm. He is a proud new father. Papa Gooch. Papa Gooch. But right now it's Lindsay's time, and this is a good time for me to rest the voice. Mm-hmm. Because let me tell you something. All I got to do is wind Lindsay up, put her between the pipes, and it's all over. Lindsay. Yeah. Golden Knights with a major win, 2-1 to one overtime. March just saw with the breakaway, stealing it from Hayes, coming down. Nice little deep backhand over Hayes, or over uh, Carter Hart. 2-1. Mm-hmm. to one. Talk about it. Well, it was a... Uh... It wasn't the funnest of hockey games that I've watched as of late, Willie. And and it's an interesting game at that because the Golden Knights haven't exactly been uh, easily finding their own game as of late. And when you have a team like the Philadelphia Flyers come in, who's only had two wins in their last 17 contests, like just think about what the day in and day out kind of mentality is for that team and how they're expected to play. And the Golden Knights get the victory in overtime, two to one. You wouldn't expect that game to be one to one, but actually I think this is a good win for them in their psyche. Other than the fact that you're just supposed to win that game. You're supposed to get uh, on the winning column at home, which has been a really big struggle for them lately, but they found a way to win in a game that was tough to play and isn't particularly fun to play. I, I didn't feel like the, the Golden Knights were, were, playing their best but they were simply trying their best and sometimes you got to find ways to win in those games where everything isn't really going your way when it's tough when you're getting hit a lot the the Philadelphia Flyers had 40 hits last night against your Golden Knights Golden Knights had only two power plays it seemed like the refs were pretty uh, intent on swallowing their whistles but in terms of what Philadelphia would was giving the Golden Knights, which was basically nothing in the offensive zone. They just kept them very much perimeter-wise. I thought I saw the uh, some good forecheck early on in the first period, but as the game went on and the Golden Knights weren't able to really sustain any sort of presence, weren't able to retain a presence uh, that long in the offensive zone or the neutral zone for that matter, uh, you, you could see the kind of laborious nature in which this game started to shape around. Carter Hart was pretty good for, for most of the night. Uh, it wasn't exactly like an, a shot onslaught for him. The Golden Knights outshot the Philadelphia Flyers 34-28. to 28. The most uh, exciting period being that second period. But mostly because the Golden Knights were starting to get a little bit away from some of the things that were bringing them success. Or at least you would expect success to come when you're playing certain uh, hygienic ways in hockey. Like you're doing the right things. You're, you're playing with the right habits. And there was a ton of high zone defensive turnovers that were littering the early second period. I have it in my notes here, which was creating some unnecessary dangerous situations uh, for the Golden Knights in their defensive zone. And Aiden Hill, who I thought played absolutely excellent last night, 
other than the one mistake that he made in right. misplaying the puck behind the net. That's going to happen. It's better to have a goalie make a mistake than have them not play the puck at all because, honestly, the reason why the Flyers were able to play a really solid second period, or at least in the early minutes, was because Carter Hart was disrupting their ability to get to the puck on the forecheck. He was moving the puck. That's what you want from your goaltender. Aiden Hill just kind of held on for, to it a little bit too long. I'm going to be a dangle meister. That's not your job, Aiden Hill, but that's okay because the team was able to, to keep – that score nodded one-to-one. Uh, they really struggled with zone entries last night. I thought, again, the, a lot of defensive or, or just zone turnovers, that retentiveness. It didn't seem like they could get the offensive zone and, and stay down there for a long time. It was kind of break in, and then it would be right back out within 10 to 15 seconds. And so when you're not having that positive reinforcement, when you're not engaged in the game as, as much as you would like to be where things aren't happening at your will, uh, I think it was an important win for them, uh, an ugly win, but an important one at that. Let me ask you this. Philadelphia, um, I was listening to the broadcasting. Uh, Dave Gocher made mention that um, it, the most penalized with fighting, I think it has the highest fighter fights coming in. Early on, we saw a little bit of a scuffle where they sort of antagonized and instigated. I think they like to erode a team like that that's used to being physical. Yeah. Maybe likes to get in the head. I thought that that one little scrum where there was – you know, there was some pushing, whatever, the typical stuff. But after that, Vegas didn't really buy into that. I, I was impressed with the fact that they didn't let the Flyers get in their head. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what you have to do when you're a bad hockey team is that you have to find ways to generate momentum outside of, you know, getting scoring chances of having the puck on your stick for the whole time. Like, you want to get your opposition distracted and worry about the battles uh, in between the whistles rather than the ones during the game. And so, yeah, I, I'm I'm – Pleased that the, the Golden Knights weren't baited into that, but that's what you would expect, especially with a veteran team that knows these little tricks of the trade that get you baited and, and get your mind going in the wrong type of adrenaline direction. So in comes Boston. Um, I'm not even going to dwell on the Rangers game because, you know, it's one of those things where they're off the road trip. I think we all I, we all tend to do this. I do it still to this day after six years, and yet I talk so fluently about it in that that first home game off a longer road trip. Mm-hmm. It takes time. We talked about it at Thanksgiving. We talked about, you know, I've talked about it. So I'm not even going to get into that game. They bounced back. Um, like you said, it wasn't pretty, but when it came time, especially when you consider Philly controlled a lot of the action in the offensive zone for the first three minutes of – of overtime mm-hmm. they and, were it was a hundred percent on their stick for the yeah. most of the overtime that's like yeah. that's such a crappy way to lose that game and an even better way to win it's just like yeah we're getting dominated for three minutes and then you get one break one yeah. not even breakaway marcia so pulls away at the end and, and if there's somebody that needs that needs a finishing goal it's definitely him and, and i would count on him for it but it, it you could tell how dejected the flyers were after yeah. that goal was scored because you had a couple guys on the ice bent over you know yeah. just can't really believe what had happened and transpired in what less than 20 seconds yeah march saw his fourth straight goal in as many games and i was disappointed afterwards that tortorella didn't make himself available i wanted to i just wanted to you know just you go a couple ask, rounds of torts no, you, you just want to always you know especially when yeah when he visits your arena you want to you know, even if you don't ask a question, you want to be in the scrum with torts. But uh, he didn't make himself available. I think it was because there was no uh, visiting media. So there, there was yeah. one guy. I don't know who he was. He was wearing a purple suit. And he walked by. Your talked kind to of the, guy. Yeah. He, he looked sharp. Uh, he talked to the PR guy, but then he kept going. So the PR guy brought out. He brought someone out first that I didn't recognize because I was in the Golden Knights 
locker room. And when I came out, they, they I saw the back of him being ushered into the back of the locker room. They brought out Cam York, who made his uh, season debut last night, and then they brought out Carter Hart. Carter Hart was, you could tell he was down. He was dejected because he played a heck of a game, like it's you said. It's a tough task for a young goaltender who's yeah. trying to establish himself a, a, as a dominant presence. I mean, he's 24 years old. This is probably what his his fourth season, his second or third as the full-time starter. And it's 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 not an easy task to just get absolutely peppered every single night and then having a really tough time finding any sort of win call and presence. All right. So let's talk about tomorrow. Golden Knights come off the road trip. Um, they did win in Boston. Very emotional um, game for – very emotional pregame for uh, Bruce Cassidy. We saw the broadcast. Yep. He held it in. He admitted it. Riley Smith handed him a towel. He kind of chuckled about it. Um, but now the arguably the best team in hockey is coming for revenge. What can we expect to see tomorrow night? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's much of an argument. They are absolutely the, the best team in hockey rolling. But, you know, they ended up losing the game last night in Arizona, which is kind of surprising because that game after the, the Golden Knights earlier last week, they went out and smoked Colorado for nothing. And so right. I, I would expect a, a, a motivated Boston Bruins team to kind of come back and, and look to pay back Bruce Cassidy for the for the good time, for the emotional time. and. And the Golden Knights are going to have to play a lot better. They're going to have to play a lot better than they have the last couple games, even that, that third period in Boston. I mean, it's really the first period where the Golden Knights have been the most successful this season. I think I saw a graphic on TV last night of just the goal differential in each period. It was like plus 19 for the first period, maybe like plus one or minus three in the second, and, and so a very low number in the third. And the Golden Knights need to figure out a way to get more consistent scoring on their home ice. It just hasn't been there lately. And you know that Jack Eichel is laboring a little bit. Bruce Cassidy was saying that in his press conference last night that he, he could tell that he wasn't all there. I'd probably put him about 80%, and that's not including the the um, cage that he's got on the clear bucket. Um, but but you need Mark Stone to hopefully get a little bit more pep in a step. I thought he looked a little bit slow last yes. night as well. Yep. Uh, and, and he's a little bit banged up from the game before that. But, you know, this third line predicament that they're trying to figure out and, and having Paul Cotter and having Jake Lushizen and, and having all of these young guys in the lineup, you got to have others step up. It can't just be Will Carrier being the only one that's driving to that. There was a point last night where uh, Nick Waugh had a free – entry into the flyer zone and he didn't really have numbers with him so obviously you're gonna wait for the line change to kind of happen but what he did is that he took the puck and he went towards the half wall and stopped just above the circle I don't understand I exactly. that dis yeah you know exactly the it, play it, I'm talking about it was if I'm not mistaken because I I thought the same thing it yeah was the same they were going to our right. Yes. Yep. They were closest yep. to us in the press yeah. box. Yes. And he just kind of pulls up yeah. and, 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 and kind of surrenders and goes to the boards. I'm like, why don't you drive that low? Why don't yeah. you try to bring that behind the net and, and draw some guys to you as the Golden Knights are making the line change and you get those bodies to support? But instead, he opts to slow down, stop moving his feet, and then look to, you know, dish laterally. And there's just too many decisions for the Golden Knights being made like that right now. You can't have passive decision-making like that and expect to win. I mean, it's kind of like when we were talking about the, the Raiders yesterday after their awful loss on, on Thursday night. You can't play afraid to lose. You have to keep going out there and making aggressive decisions. And, and 
and making sure that you're giving yourself a chance. And so if you're playing Boston, that needs to get low. You either got to bring it low yourself or send it low and chase it back. But let's let's see these guys take a little bit more initiative. The Nick Waz, the Keegan Colasars, the the Chandler Stevenson. Like, where's he been in the last few games? It's, he's been quiet. And so yeah. the, the big guys have to step up, especially with Petrangelo out and, and, and Jack Eichel still trying to find his uh, his stride back and it might be a while since or until we see him at full strength all right let's look at a couple of the numbers road team has won five of the last six meetings not a good news for the golden knights the bruins overall six and two run against vegas bruins have won seven of their last eight against winning teams however the golden knights have won 13 of their last 16 against the eastern conference and 21 of their last 28 dating back against the atlantic division so uh, I'll be intrigued to see what the line is. I'm guessing the Boston Bruins are going to come in open, probably minus 115, maybe the short chalk here. Um, and, and they're playing better hockey. They're going to be angry after the Arizona. I tend to think that they were probably looking ahead to this, maybe played a little re too relaxed against the Coyotes. Um, so it will be a great game tomorrow night at T-Mobile. And, of course, you can hear that on our sister station. The, with the uh, Dan Duva on the call. All right, Lindsay, you got something to add? Uh, that's pretty you much good? it for me. I mean, right. I, it was. I, I think if you're asking me about who you send in the Nets tomorrow night, I play Aiden Hill, and that okay. might be controversial right now, but I think that he earned that start last night just with how well he played, and I, I think Thompson needs to, to work on his game a little bit. Maybe one more game sitting down would help uh, stick in that crawl a little bit more. All right, we are going to take a little bit of an extended break here. But when we come back, we're going to welcome comedian, actor, Brett Ernst, Cobra Kai fame to the show live on the set. I see him making his way over here. The Jersey guy. Of course, I got a text last night at midnight driving home saying, no, 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 he's from South Florida. I was like, okay, wait a minute. I got to look this guy up. So I started, I was up till two in the morning watching YouTube videos, listening to interviews and Anyway, no wonder your voice sucks. That's why my voice sucks. All right, we're going to be back in about five. It is Throw the Flag at Treasure Island with Willie Ramirez. We got Lindsey Brown, quarterback, and I got James on my left. And we got comedian actor Brett Ernst coming back on ESPN Las Vegas. How you doing? Good. Who else could do this remix but me? He's an original Jersey Guido who may or may not love to make a bet here or there. Fans of Cobra Kai know him as cousin Louis LaRusso Jr. Veteran comedian Brett Ernst is ready to throw the flag. 12 days of Guido Christmas, G-fella style. On the first day of Christmas, my paisan gave to me. Oh, yeah. Uh, have you heard this? Yeah, yeah. It's a great song. We, we welcome you back to Treasure Island, throwing the flag. It is Willie Ramirez. And uh, I am joined by veteran comedian, actor, Brett Ernst from Cobra Kai. But, you know, for a student like myself, uh -huh. you've been doing this for a long time. I was looking at your website. I'm reading articles I'm, or I'm, I'm watching videos. Man, you've been in the business for a long time. I'm like, yeah. geez, where have I been? First of all, second of all, 25 years. I look at the size and what did this guy start when he was four? 25 years doesn't look older than 29. Well, I'll, I'll take that as a uh, as a compliment, man. My, you got to tell my eyes that. <laughs> <laughs> we welcome Brett to the show here on ESPN Las Vegas. He's going to be sitting in. Good friends with Gooch. I'll tell you what. 
I've, we've been getting some fantastic guests all season, pro athletes, uh, you know, just national reporters. And I told him, I said, man, got through Cobra Kai this last season. And, and I reached out. I was trying to find, like, publicity sites. I told him two, three times. He says, finally, he says, well, you know, one of the guys on there is a buddy of mine. I can, I can uh, ask him. So who? Cousin Louis said, are you kidding me? Get him down here. So uh, I, I really appreciate it because we got two weeks left, and we got Blockbuster guests. Another person who knows you very well said to say hello. He will be on next week, comedian Roy Wood Jr. Yeah, Roy's a very dear friend of mine. Yeah. yeah. I've been knowing Roy for about 15 years. So, uh, Guy's yeah. a beast, man, on stage. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the stuff that he comes up with, I mean, but that's the – that's the beauty of what you guys do is being able to take an instantaneous topic, a story that maybe nobody saw that they'll go home and Google, turn it into a bit, and by the next week you're on to the next one. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't really do topical stuff on stage as much as, you know, just shooting it with, with other comics. I mean, but, you know, I'm, I'm more of a personal storyteller type person, yeah. you know. I was watching some of the... I was watching some of your videos. Um, and the other thing is Because there are comics that have that gift. I, uh, I don't have that gift. <laughs> I, I can't get it. I, you know, I don't really try and I stay away from the news. I think well, it's healthier. You all stick to your stick. Right? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we all have different styles, you know, different strengths. You know, you got uh, comics that are, you know, better joke writers than performers. Comics that are better performers than joke writers. Then you get, you know, the perfect storm. You get guys that are both. Um, you know, I'm more of, I write on stage more than just sit down and try and write a joke right. as much as like, I'll talk it out a lot. We That's have, why I'm very lucky to have that residency here in Vegas. We had Angela Johnson on, um, a couple weeks ago before she came here uh-huh. and, um, she told us a story of how the nail salon bit came to, to life. She was at her church and it was like a a joke writing seminar at the church and the assignment was they all had to come up with a bit and she told that bit at the the like the the final exam if you will mm-hmm. it went vi- that's how the original one went viral for you how did i mean what click when did it click um you know it's it, again uh i i think um in the beginning like when you're starting out, you, you know, everybody kind of touches on the same things, just, you know, different versions of it. Uh, you know, uh, I say your milestones in comedy are 7, 11, and 15. And it never really, it never really clicks, clicks. I mean, like, you know, it, that's the beautiful thing about stand-up. It's always a work in progress, you know. Um, after 15 years, you've pretty much seen it all. And, uh, you know, you, you can... Uh, you could develop something out of nothing in your own voice. But uh, as far as it clicking, it never really clicks, man. Well, I, well you know, I there's sometimes you'll get up there and you're like, this is a great. But, you know, it, it's, it's weird, too, because when you're doing it long enough, you don't really care about the crowd reaction as well, much as Well, I don't mean in, the in a show, not to interrupt you, but yeah, I yeah. meant at the beginning when you knew that's what you were going to do. How did it start? Um, I just, you know, like everybody else, you just walk on stage at a mic and then uh, you take it from there, you know. And, uh, you know, the, the first step to stand-up is, you know, you got to find the local open mic. And then, you know, you hit the local scene for a while. Because I didn't start in L.A. I started in South Florida. Yeah. 
And then uh, I was down there for like three years, and then I moved to L.A. in 99, got passed at the Comedy Store in 2000. And then that, the Comedy Store really became my gym. Where in South Florida did you go? Where I started? Where did you live? Oh, yeah. Oh, I lived in, I went to Plantation High. I lived in Plantation. Oh, really? So I, I grew up here. I came here in 72. We moved in 82 to Plantation. Now, when I moved there, it was in March. And I was zoned for Seminole Middle School. Okay. And I was supposed to go to Dillard, uh-huh. which has a great performance arts. Uh, every, every school in South Florida is, has a MAGA program. Yes. Well, in like, 1982, there wasn't a magnet, and it was ill-advised that I go there. But Western High School was built while I was there, and I ended up going there. But then I left in December and ended up in Minneapolis. But I lived in Plantation. Nice. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I, um, I ended up going to high school there. I moved down from Jersey my freshman year. Okay. And then I was down there for a while. Then I moved back up. I moved around a lot. I yeah. went to 15 schools, one high school. We are joined by actor, comedian, veteran comedian, Brett Ernst. We are down here at Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, live on the set, ESPN Las Vegas. We thank him for Jumping in for his good buddy, Gooch, who is a brand new father. Can you know, imagine Gooch awesome. as a dad? He just sent me a photo of the baby. Okay, yeah, so. yeah. He said, because he, he, I said, I want to see the baby when it's born. And then I had to clarify. I was like, post-delivery, please. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about, <laughs> you, you have some fans out there that, like I said, um, prior to Cobra Kai, I, you know, I, I didn't know. But the opportunity with Cobra Kai, how'd that come about? Um, you know, the, the guys that do the show are, uh, well, I worked with Ralph on Beer League. Okay. Uh, Artie Lang's movie. And then I, um, I had met Billy a couple times at the improv. He would come down there a lot and hang out. And, um, uh, the writers of the show are comedy writers. So they kind of knew who, you know, I basically was requested, but I still had to audition. Right. And then, you know, I, I, I actually got very lucky because I was in New Jersey for like a week because I was doing a theater show down there. And um, I got the, the from my agent that they wanted you to come in and audition. And I didn't know exactly what it was. I didn't really start reading it until the Sunday before I flew out. And I flew out on Monday, got off the plane and went right to the audition. But because I was in Jersey for a week, I was around my friends, my family. Yeah. You know, my accent came back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Which helped, yeah. you know, because not, not, not that you work hard to get rid of it, but, you know, I can't play an Italian-American in every – and I'm, I'm only half, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, right. I was raised 100%. Right, right. You know, um, so I, I was I – I had the accent because I was around people. I just came in, read it normal. Yeah. And then, you know, you go to producers, and then you get cleared by the producers, and then the network and the production company sign off, and then that was that. I was there on set. And uh, I, I just, we always knew it was a great show. We just didn't know it was going to be this big. Now, here's what I have said, and, and this is all due respect to Ralph and, and William, I, is, is that I feel as if the new character, you know, even bringing in the people from the original, you know, three movies, the, the spot appearances, I really think that the, the, the character roles, the, the role uh, people, yourself, the kids, uh, the actress who plays Tori, I thought that she stole this season along with um, the actor who plays uh, Chosen. I, I think it's, it's, it's you guys that have really built it up. Like, when you, I, I, I've watched Ralph Macchio since he was a kid on Eight is Enough. Yeah. A lot of people don't even realize he was on that show. They think of him as Karate for Kid or Karate Kid. Um, 
but it's so hard to take him seriously. He's still got the boyish face, you know, as a grown man, as a father, as a car dealership owner, you know. Um, Johnny Lawrence, just the mean guy character. But I just think that the kids and the character roles have carried this show. Well, you, you know, you the kids are definitely, you know, they're the new... The new crop coming up, yeah. um, it, you know, it's it's a great mix of nostalgia and and now and and you know the way that the the writers have have done it, um, they've done an amazing job. And, and I'll be honest with you, I've worked on a bunch of pilots. I've worked on a, uh, I worked on Weeds, a couple shows, and um, Weeds was a great show. And and it, you know it, these were all wonderful experiences, but I've never been a part of something like this, from top to bottom, where everybody's just on board and everybody's it, it's it is it's such a a positive set you know and and again i'm not when you get on certain sets you know sometimes there are actors with egos or writers or directors and everybody from top to bottom is just really really cool yeah what's what's been for you personally because i would imagine you know there's so much centralized around the kids and you know this past season with the with the big tournament um but for you when you know, you're well. You had the club scene, which is which was kind of fun at the yeah. end of this past season. But you know, you're, you're isolated with your scenes at the dealership or whatever it may be. Um, but do you stay around to get to watch the other table? You said everyone's on board. Does it feel like it's one big family to to watch everything come together? Yeah, especially well because it was on, not not that it wasn't the the little show that could because we you know we we were. From what I know, we were slated to be like the flagship show for YouTube Premium. Because okay. they were starting their streaming site. Okay. And we were able to shoot three seasons with YouTube. And then when Netflix acquired it, and then now we got another three out of it. I mean, it's, I don't know if it's official for six yet, but I think it's going to happen. Okay. Um, I haven't gotten any official word on that, but it, it looks good, you I know, from that, what I heard. Yeah, I thought, I thought for sure it would be. Um, I mean, it's, it's one of their top shows. And, and you know what's cool? I mean, for me, for all the years I've been doing it, you know, and I, I'm, I'm a club comedian. You know, yeah. and, and, and people that know me, I mean, I go hard in the paint. Yes. So uh, on stage. So, yep. like, if people – what I've never had a fan base of kids. And, and it's pretty cool because they come up to you. It's almost like you feel like a professional wrestler. Yes. Where, like, they know you're real. You're not real, but you are real to them. And they, they come up to you and they, they have their favorite, whether they're either Cobra Kai or Miyagi-Do or Eagle Fang. You know, or they, they're really into it. And, and that, that, yeah. that's been the coolest part of, of being a part of the whole show is, like, having these young kids come up to you and, and they ask for your, you know, autograph. And they ask you, like, why'd you burn the car? Yes. You know. I watched uh, that scene this morning. <laughs> you know, they ask you all these questions about the show. And, you know, not that you stay in character, but you answer it as if, you know, it's I, real. But I, if you're, like, 19, then you're like, dude, come on. Yeah. But if you're 12, you know. <laughs> I watched the um, – an interview with um, a sit down with Christian Harloff that you did. Mm -hmm. And you guys were talking about somebody. I couldn't catch the guy's name, but you talked about where he said, if, basically you said, if you're too sensitive, don't go sit in there because everybody's free game and he's very raw. Are you an old school? Do you want like I, my warm up for cardio or for, for lifting when I do my first hundred cals is any Don Rickles interview, any Don Rickles. I like, I'm an old school guy where I still appreciate the old comedians where nobody's safe, everything was funny, and everybody's game. Well, you know, the, the, the evolution of stand-up. Now, when, when you're looking at a lot of those guys, the, one, or the crazy thing about Rickles is he headlined the strip for over 50 years, man. Like, I, I remember the Sahara. Uh, when 
Dice was performing years and years ago, and my buddy Sebastian was opening for him. Okay. Uh, they were at the Stardust, and the next night was Don Rickles. And, you're, and this was in the early 2000s, and you're like, this guy has been headlining since, what, the 50s, 60s? Mm. And it's just, you know, but he was part of that, that generation with the, the suit and tie, and, you know, they did a little classier. You know, it, it starts when you get to the 70s, stand-up starts to take a different turn, you know, with Carlin and Pryor, and then it becomes a, a different than just the Catskill-type jokes. Right. And Rickles was in every era, if that makes sense. Absolutely. He survived every era. And, and when you – you'll meet comics. Like, I was a member of the Friars Club mm. and uh, in L.A. when he came in. You saw the youngest to the oldest just – you know, he's he's on he's in my top ten all time. Yes, yeah. yeah, he's he's fantastic. We are talking to comedian, veteran comedian, and actor Brett Ernst. We are live at the Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. He is going to stick around. When we come back, we're going to do the gambling segment on ESPN Las Vegas. So make sure Brett's going to stick around because we got UNLV coach Barry Odom coming up. We got National NFL Hall of Fame writer Shereen Williams. We're going to be talking some football we're going to be talking some betting and we're going to get a guest pick from brett who loves the sports betting like all of us we'll be back on throw the flag espn las vegas what do you see the charger total i'm looking for 46 only for up to forty thousand. under 46 for up to forty thousand. game 132 what do you see the cowboy uh, total 51 and a half only for up to thirty thousand. how much money did you just bet? that's uh say 225 325 550, 750, 900, 11, uh, 1230, 1270, bringing us back from his 60-minute interview when they were talking about his sports betting. It is Willie Ramirez. I am at Treasure Island, the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Lindsey Brown, quarterback in the show. I got James on my left, and I have guest host, our special guest this week, veteran, comedian, and actor Brett Ernst from Cobra Kai, and, of course, his local residency here at the Strat. Brett, uh, this is the segment in which Gooch likes to come on and brag that he won the previous week, and then he's usually silent and shifts it to me when he loses. But he has picked it up after a rough start. He is 12-5 and five on the week uh, on the year. Uh, last week he had his Browns. I'm 14-2-1. I'm coming off a winner with the Lions. And we just pick one game against the spread in the NFL. That's all we got to do. So no pressure. But we're going to lead it off with you. Well, first of all, I, I couldn't get over M Baker Mayfield's performance on Thursday night. That right? was insane, man. That was insane. Incredible. 48 hours. Learned the playbook on the, uh, on the plane. Comes in. Whether they put a package together or just pulled special plays, 12, 15 plays, said, here's what we're going to do. But, you know, he did it with poise, mm -hmm. which was amazing. Um, and he did it throughout the game. It was, you know, everyone focused on that, the end. But it was the matter of, you know, he was moving the ball. They just couldn't finish. Then they finally found a way to finish. It was, it was amazing. 
I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Or did the Raiders find a way to lose? That's the question. Well, a little bit of both. I think a little bit of both. Um, but, but he was throwing dimes. Man. That's what I'm saying. He was, he was throwing dimes, that kid. He finished with a, a better, better uh, numbers, better analytics, better rating than Derek Carr. So uh, a lot of questions without answers just yet. Raiders got the Patriots coming up uh, in a couple of weeks here uh, as we get through NFL Sunday tomorrow. So you're, you like to bet the sports? Yes. All right. What do you like this week? Um, you know, first off, I'm a diehard, never wavered uh, since 1979. I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan, diehard. Wow. But uh, 17 points is a lot. I'm shocked. And uh, uh, I thought I was going to have an anti-Cowboy guy. I'm, I've been a Cowboy fan since 76. Yeah. I'm diehard, man. I figured your Jersey, Giants, here we go. Well, you go. know what's funny is, you know, when, you're, when you've been around long enough and you start – I remember I was telling these kids that, uh, yeah, no, nah, I'm not a bandwagon fan. Because, you know, we were always accused of being bandwagon fan. We haven't been to an NFC Championship game in 26 years. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so you're talking to a 24-year-old, he'd be like, what, what, do you, what do you mean bandwagon? Yeah, you know what I mean? I've been through the Ofer season. But, uh, I, uh, yeah, I grew up with Danny White was, my, was okay. my quarterback. So my first one was Staubach. And when we talked to Shereen Williams, she's got a great Staubach story. But uh, I, I, I think the Cowboys are going to win. I just don't think they're going to win by 17. I think Titans are going to be playing tough. Uh, you know, I know they have some injuries. Uh, I mean, the uh, Texans. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, um, you know, I, I, on paper, because you got to remember, too, you know, once you jump up, you gotta, you're, you also go into prevent and you allow the, the team. If, even if you jump ahead, yeah. I just think 17 points is a lot. I think Dallas might win by, like, 10. All right. So you're going to take the Texans. So, no, I'm uh, not touching the game. Oh, you're not touching the game. But I would, if I were betting, I, I don't bet for or against my boys. Okay. So, so we need one pick. So which, give me. I'm give telling me. you, take the Texans in the points. All right, take the Texans in the points. I am going to take the Steelers this week. Uh, Lamar Jackson is not playing. The Steelers have been playing a little bit more inspired ball. I will never count out Mike Tomlin. I think he's one of the best coaches in the NFL. Um, I think that we've seen improvement, gradual improvement. Everybody just keeps knocking the kid, pick it. But uh, they're at home. It's a rivalry game. This is the AFC North. You never know what's going to happen. That's why I'm probably not going to touch Cleveland, Cincinnati. But I do like the Steelers. Minus one and a half over the Ravens. Brett doesn't get emotionally involved with his Cowboys, which you've heard me say plenty of times on this show. But if he was going to bet it, he's taking the Texans. Something tells me Gooch, with his little baby, would like the Browns this week after <laughs> what Deshaun did last week since they're playing the Bengals. Well, Bengals are, you know, that's I, I would say they're probably the third or fourth best team in the NFL. Yeah. Um, the the Niners and, and Bucks game looks pretty pretty appetizing, too. Yeah. Well, there's some good action. I had the Lions last week. I'm not going to go to that well again. But when we come back, UNLV football coach Barry Odom will be checking in. We're going to talk UNLV football. Throw the flag. Treasure Island on ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Throw the Flag. There's a new sheriff on Maryland Parkway. It's time to talk Rebel football with UNLV head coach Barry Odom. Uh, 
That's right. We are back at Treasure Island throwing the flag. Willie Ramirez, second hour of the show on ESPN Las Vegas, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. I got Lindsey Brown, quarterback in the show, back in the Finley Studios at Lotus. James on my left, veteran comedian and actor Brett Ernst from Cobra Kai, sitting in for Gooch, who is a brand-new father, but joining the show now, as you heard, Special introduction there for you, Coach. Welcome to the show, Barry Odom. Hey, Willie, what's up, man? Thanks, thanks for having me on this morning. Uh, really appreciate it, the, the opportunity to spend some time with you guys. And so excited to be here and, and uh, start the, the foundation uh, of building this program and uh, get, get involved in the, in the city. And um, so excited to, to be here now for uh, a, a few days and, and learning as, as I go about our program and our kids and uh, just so excited and thrilled about what we're going to get done here together. Uh, and so uh, I guess my first question is I have to believe that your second entrance into the Fertitta complex was much better than the first time. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, at least I knew my way in the front door and uh, into the weight room and and maybe halfway up the stairs. So I figured that the next part of the facility tour out uh, on a little more ease on, on how I did the first one, for sure. Uh, so you spoke about meeting with the team as soon as possible. You spoke about meeting with the team as soon as possible. You spoke about wanting to meet individually. What, what, what's your first message to the guys? What's, what's it been or what is it that you wanted to get across, especially the one-on-one meetings? Yeah, I think number one, you know, I, I believe I got into town at 1.30 um, earlier this week. We had a, a scheduled team meeting for 2.30. So just a, an introduction. I wanted them to put a, a face with a name, but then also immediately start talking about uh, the foundational approach of building this program and the culture and the, the team and the family on what that's going to look like. And then really, Willie, in the individual meeting, it's been more listening and learning um, and then, you know, interjecting some, some ideas on where my uh, ideas are and my thoughts. And, and really, more than anything, it's giving hope, vision, and belief on what this program is going to be and how we're going to do it and how important each one uh, of our current roster members is to making sure that the foundation is set in a strong way and, and start to grow the relationships uh, individually and, and as a team on, on how we can move it forward. Is, is it? Is it bothersome, or do you just roll with it? Your thoughts on current UNLV players that have gone into the portal, you barely had a chance to speak with them and even pitch them on what you're bringing to the program. Do you, do you sort of shrug that off, or what do you do in a situation like well, that? Well, I don't, you know, don't want to lose anybody, and I told the team that. I, I want everybody uh, that I've got a chance that's on our roster, I, I want a chance to coach them. Yeah. I want a chance to develop them. I want them to have an opportunity – to continue to invest in this program and this university because we're going to do something special and, and it's going to take all of us. Uh, you look across the country and, you know, there, there's lots of opportunities with, with kids and, and student athletes uh, in, in the portal. I understand that, uh, the landscape of what that is. But also, you know, the, I'm just asking for a chance and I'm asking uh, for an opportunity to be their coach and give them all the things that they need to be successful in every area. Um, and, and we're going to keep the core group that we've got. I would, I would love to have them all stay with us, and let's get started in January when they come back for the next semester on building this, and then we're doing a, a terrific job on 
trying to add to that and, and the, the foundational approach of, of recruiting this first class. How quickly do you expect to have your coaching staff in place? Yeah, I, I don't want to put a, an exact timeline on it. I think uh, the urgency for me on moving in that direction is at the top of the list uh, because, number one, I want, I want guys that want to be here. I want guys that are invested in uh, the, the thoughts on how we're going to build this, how we're going to be successful, how we're going to compete and win championships. And uh, it'll be a, a timeline that is moved with urgency, but also I want the right fit. And I want a, a mentor and a leader and a teacher uh, for our young men and a great representative of, of our university and athletic department. We're speaking to new UNLV football coach Barry Odom, joining us here on Throw the Flag at on ESPN Las Vegas. Um, I'm curious. I just I, I found it interesting. You hit on a few key points in your opening statement at your introductory press conference um, that you wanted to recruit local. You want to go into the community, the winning now aspect. Um, these were aspects that the previous staff was somewhat ridiculed by media for not acknowledging. Were these points of emphasis during the interview process? Well, I think uh, the direction and leadership of our athletics department and, and Eric Harper is, is top notch. You know, he's got a vision on the athletic department on the success and how we're going to have that, and uh, it, it goes down through you know the entire athletic department. There's things that, that we all know that are so important uh, to the success and the sustainability of a program, the consistency of that, and, and a lot of it starts and is based around true, real relationships. And the only way to do that is you have to work, and you've got to work at it. You've got to be deliberate with it. You've got to be in a position that you spend time on developing that uh, to be able to get a, a, a vision and a belief and – then you go out and you, you talk and communicate and educate the high school coaches, uh, all those that um, have an opportunity to have student-athletes come here. The investment in the city is so important, the, the, the ability to be able to galvanize us together, because there is so much opportunity here in every area, from recruiting uh, locally, the importance of the high school coaches and the great programs that we've got in the city. Uh, that's so important. I was able to make it out one day this past week uh, just hit a couple schools, and my, my hope is this next week that the calendar is live to, to get back in as many as I can. Um, there's a certain number of hours in the day, and I'm going to use every one of them that I can to, to get us moving in the right direction. Hey, Coach, how you doing? This is uh, Brett Ernst. First off, congrats on the, uh, on the job, man. Um, now, you said it's not a rebuild. It's a win now. Uh, do you come with a plan that instills, like, instant sustainability for a winning program based on what you've seen and what you know? Or, Yeah, I think a, a combination of both. But I, I know in, in the world we live in today, there, there's, you know, the, the rebuild is, is ongoing and constant, but it's, it's not a, a, an idea of mine and anybody that we're going to have here that, you know, the urgency for it to happen now is at the top of our minds. And, and that's the focus that we're going to have. We've... Well, we've got we've got just enough time, but no time to waste on on doing the things we need to to go compete and compete and win. Um, I'm excited about the roster that we've got returning. I can't wait to get you know the the uh, guys here on a, on a day to day process of what that looks like on the culture on how we're going to go win games and the things that we are built our habits and how we get started from now until the game uh, is kicked off next fall it's so important and it's uh 
it's an urgent movement uh, of our actions, our beliefs, and together we can go get it done. Yeah, I, I um, you know, I, I always find it interesting too. Like, is there a difference between a defensive-minded coach coming in as a head coach as opposed to an offensive-minded coach? I, I know. I, I mean, I played uh, one double A. I played at LIU, um, but I always notice there's de- there's a difference. There's always a personality difference between a defensive type person and an offensive type person. Um, I mean, do, do, is it a different aggressiveness or? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I've got things that uh, from a philosophical standpoint that I believe in. Uh-huh. You know, a blueprint that I've seen work for a long, long time. You know, the, the structure and the organization uh, and the consistency of the program under Gary Pinkle that I worked with for, for so long. Uh, there's a very detailed organizational plan on what that looks like, a very uh, detailed structure uh, of, of the way that you recruit on the process of building relationships. And then every team's a little bit different. And you take the, that approach and you've got your core philosophies and beliefs and you put them in play and you develop relationships with your team um, that, that will withstand um, the test of time. And uh, you look at how that's done, it, it's, it's very deliberate in, in building relationships, in the work ethic, in making sure that, that you've got an organization that is bought, bought into every single detail matters. And when you do that, uh, success will follow and it will follow very soon. And one more on a personal question. Uh, you know, one of my best friends I grew up with was uh, Charlie Partridge. Do you know Coach Partridge over at Pitt? I sure do. Yeah, I yeah, know yeah, Coach. Yep. He's, he's one of my best friends, man, on the planet. Awesome. We were in each other's weddings, everything. <laughs> That's great, yeah. yeah he's, are, had, he's, he's a terrific coach. He's had a lot of success. Yeah. We are speaking with brand-new UNLV football coach Barry Odom. We appreciate him giving us time here on Throw the Flag at Treasure Island on ESPN Las Vegas because we know he's about to hit the recruiting trail. He's already done it here on the local level. Uh, uh, Got out to a couple of local high schools, as he mentioned. Um, So, Barry, I have been here since 1972. I'm an old-school Vegas guy. I remember when you could get up and down the strip in about seven minutes. I've seen it and heard it all. I watched Randall Cunningham as a little boy. watch Randall play? Watch Randall. Uh, I, I, you know, I, six six of the coaches, six of them since I started writing, I, I uh, you know, uh, since my first byline, I've been around. Why is this time going to be different? What is Barry Odom going to bring to this program, where it's going to be different? Well, I want to be here uh, a long time. I want to leave my legacy here, and I want UNLV football to be a destination. I want it to be. Uh, attractive, that is, you know, there's, there's one Vegas in this world, and my, my job, our job together uh, in, in this organization is to make it the premier place that uh, is winning championships, is doing the things the right way, and has got the city galvanized behind us and supporting us uh, that, that leaves it no room for other than success. And uh, I believe a very strong conviction we can get that done. I'm excited and, and honored to be the head football coach here, and uh, I, I just look forward to having a chance to build this program with these student-athletes together uh, on, on a very detailed mission. Now, Barry, now that we've got the easy, these easy softball questions out of the way, let's get to the difficult ones. Uh, have you been shown any good steakhouses, or where's your favorite <laughs> restaurants? Have you been taken to Piero's yet? 
with, tell me about uh, where you've been taking the dinner because this is you know, the important stuff. It, it's amazing. I'm looking out of my office right now. We've got recruits on campus for official visits. Uh, I, I really can't even point to what hotel I'm staying at. It's a wonderful property, but I'm spending about four hours a day there, and that's it. And the rest of the time I've been here in, in, the, in the building. So um, I, I'll have a to-do list at some point on things I want to see and hit and uh, restaurants I'd like to try, but uh, that'll come later. But I can't wait because it's the best of the best in the world. And uh, got a got a got a uh, a lot of opportunities out there to go hit, and, and at some point I'll be able to take in some of it. Well, and there are some there's some old school greats that are still around. The Golden Sp- Steer is great. The Golden Steer on on Sahara, the Circus Circus Steakhouse, believe it or not, Unbelievable. one of the best. Piero's, which is across from the convention center, and used to be the old uh, post game spot for Jerry Tarkanian. So you make sure. Those three old-school joints are on your list when you get back from the recruiting trail and you can get out to dinner. That's so awesome. I can't wait. There's, uh, if you've seen me, you know I like food. So uh, <laughs> I can't wait to have a shot to, to see some of those places. And to add into that, when you get back, you're going to have to head over to the Stratosphere to watch my today's guest co-host, Brett Ernst, who I'm not sure if uh, – if, your family's a fan of the show Cobra Kai, but Brett is one of the stars on that show, and he's a That's resident awesome. comedian over at the Strat. So, a lot to offer you here, Coach, and we're hoping you have a lot to offer the UNLV football rebels. We welcome you to town, and we thank you for spending some time with us this morning on Throw the Flag. You bet, guys. I, I'm honored to be here, uh, thrilled to be a part of the city, and uh, much respect for the job you guys do. I, I really appreciate it. All right, that is UNLV football coach Barry Odom. Joining us, of course, on Throw the Flag, ESPN Las Vegas. You can tell he's on a mission. Yeah, yeah, he's excited. And, dude, I can't wait to go to the games, man. I mean, now I'm local. I I, I love going to those college games, man, Saturday. And, and, you know, uh, Allegiant Stadium is is beautifully built. And the recruits that, obviously, that he can bring in, um, it should be exciting. I think Vegas is a great recruiting tool, man, especially where you're going to play. You know what I mean? And the city itself. Complex. If you heard me say at the beginning, I said to him, hey, your second entrance was better than the first. That's because the first time he came here, he happened to just stumble onto UNLV's campus. Mm-hmm. And he, he just kind of moseyed into the complex, into the, the Fertitta complex. He's not snuck in, but he just walked in. He made it through a couple of levels before they ushered him out. But really? he, he got a look at it and saw how extensive it is. So, anyway, UNLV football coach, Barry Odom, we appreciate him joining him. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back. NFL writer, member of the Hall of Fame, Shereen Williams, joins the show. Throwing the flag on ESPN Las Vegas. When she's not covering football, she's planting shots inside the baseline on a tennis court. She has the only house in Rangers territory with an Astros championship banner. She's Hall of Fame voter and veteran NFL writer, Shereen Williams. I'm dreaming of a wife. We got a little bit of a Christmas vibe going on. Huh? Uh-huh. I love Brett. It. I love it. Willie Ramirez, Brett Ernst, Lindsey Brown, James Davis. We are all here at Treasure Island. Well, Lindsey's quarterback of the show back in the uh, Finley Studios at Lotus. But we are coming to you live from Treasure Island as we do every Saturday. And we're winding down our second season of Throw the Flag on ESPN Las Vegas. And we now welcome to the show my dear Twitter friend. I've never met in person, but... 
Shereen Williams, Hall of Fame writer. Uh, Shereen, I, so I personally put that rejoin together. I hope that was to your liking. <laughs> I did like it. I especially like the Astros flag uh, being up there. I probably am the only one in Arlington right down the street. I'm, in fact, I can see the stadium right now where I am, but right down the street from uh, Rangers Ballpark, AT&T Stadium, uh, with an Astros championship. But I grew up down there, so that's the reason I have it. I, I saw that. I saw that tweet. I was like, okay, I gotta come up with some information to build a rejoin for her. And I, and and you're the tennis connoisseur. Uh, we've been trying to get you on. So first and foremost, did you win the title? Yeah, we finished second in our flight. So it wasn't bad. Our city championship. So we, we did okay. It's fun. I play a lot of tennis, a lot of golf, and you know, just for something to do, some exercise. I walk and golf. I don't. I don't run in the cars. So. Uh, just something to get some exercise, get out and get some fresh air. It's been so nice. You know, we've been in the 70s and the 80s in December, about how a cold front comes through, but you can't be 70s and 80s in December. Shereen, before we talk football, I want people to know we're talking, like I said, to a Hall of Famer who dreamed of writing about the Dallas Cowboys oh as an elementary school student. And it's such an interesting story because I watched two different interviews, one after <laughs> you got into the Hall of Fame. And, and one is you a, as a pioneer for, for women in journalism. Um, but it's, it's such a great story, and it's somewhat similar to my avenue to journalism. So if you could just share about who you wanted to marry as a seven-year-old. <laughs> you know, when I asked my teacher, my favorite teacher one day in class, I said, how far is it to, to Dallas? Like I said, I'm not going to be married. You know, it's about five hours. 300 miles, why do you want to know? And I said, I'm going to marry her on the sidewalk. And I'm thinking, teachers are so stupid. I thought they were supposed to be smart, you know? I thought she knew this. I thought everybody knew this. So she was a big Cowboys fan. So she called the local paper and said, oh, I've got this kid who's a Cowboys youngest fan. She's avid, wears Cowboys stuff all the time. And um, so they came out to the house and did a story on me. And I have pictures in my Roger Staubach uniform. So yeah, I, I said in the article that I wanted to marry Roger Staubach, but I also uh, aspired to become uh, a beat writer covering the Cowboys. And so from the second grade on, that's really what I wanted to do. And, and what I, took, I had no idea, like, you know, at that time, girls didn't do this. And I had no idea that girls didn't do this. It's really just what I wanted to do. And so I'd practice on my A-frame play set, you know, Roger Staubach to throw 500 touchdown passes to Drew Pearson and, you could hear your voice reverberate through that swing set, you know, the metal metal pole and swing set. And um, so I started practicing, and, and I got to where I am today. And I don't know how many second graders have their dreams come true, but mine certainly did. Well, it's amazing that you say that because people ask me. I do guest speaking, and I did one a couple of weeks ago at Liberty High School, and they asked me how I got my start. And I said, I used to take an old-school tape recorder. And you used to have to push the, the button with the yeah. orange button in the middle. And I would record yeah. myself while muting, while muting back then was getting up and turning the volume mall, uh, uh, volume button <laughs> yeah. down. And I would uh, turn down Howard Cosell, Dandy Don, and Frank Gifford, and I would do play-by-play. And I would record myself. And I was a Dallas Cowboy fan. There was no pro sports in Las Vegas. We had the running Rebels. But my team was the Dallas Cowboys, and it was the days of Staubach and Pearson. Yeah. And then Dorsett came in from Pitt. So yeah. um, somewhat of a same, like, vision, if you will, um, as, and, and with a team that inspired you to want to cover sports. So I found that very interesting. And you're talking to two Cowboy fans because we have uh, actor 
and comedian Brett Ernst from Cobra Kai on with me this morning, guest hosting, and he's a longtime Dallas Cowboys fan. My whole life, and I'll tell you right now, it's easy to be a Cowboys fan in Dallas. Try going to the vet or into Giant Stadium growing <laughs> up there. So I actually have a Cowboys podcast. It's called um, The Jersey Boys. And, uh, you know, we're three cow- diehard Cowboys fans from New Jersey. And, uh, I, by the way, I want to thank you because I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive that you were one of the voters for the Hall of Fame that kept lobbying for Drew Pearson. I think it was a shame it took so long for him to get in. Yeah. And if you could, put a word into Jerry and see if he can get Ed Tuttle Jones and Jim Jeffcoat in the Ring of Honor, if, <laughs> if, if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I actually presented Drew in the right. It just took entirely too long for him to go in. I was so disappointed. You know, it's not like you fail. When you go in there and you present him and, and he doesn't get in, and, and he was heartbroken uh, a few years ago when he didn't get in that centennial class, and I was heartbroken and um, texted him and, and said, you know, I'm just I'm so sorry, I'm sick. And, and then he, he goes in the next round, and it took way, way longer. And a lot of these guys, it takes longer, but I don't know if it takes quite as long for most as it took Drew Pearson and some of these others. But you hate for him to have to wait. I, I was just really glad that he was still alive to celebrate and yeah. get to honor him. You know, the Ken Sabers and those guys who never know that they went into the Hall of Fame, I just think it's a real shame. Yeah, I agree. We are speaking to Hall of Fame writer Shereen Williams from PFT. She joins us today on Throw the Flag here on ESPN Las Vegas. So, Shereen, we were both on Twitter Thursday night. Brett was watching the game. <laughs> Let's talk NFL. Let's talk Raiders. What is going on with the silver and black? I just I don't know how you lose four double-digit halftime leads and a double-digit fourth-quarter lead um, like they have all season. You know, I saw the stats. Other teams... They're 0-4 with that double-digit halftime lead, and other teams are 59-6 and this season with double-digit halftime lead. So I don't know if they don't make adjustments at halftime, if they don't come out focused. If maybe they're just not that good. Maybe that's just the bottom line. They're not that good. But to lose so many one-possession games mm. uh, is it, just wild. And they were able to win some of those at the end of last year. And, you thought when they got on that three-game winning streak that they had a chance to, to maybe do what they did last year, but then it all fell apart, obviously, in the last three minutes of the game on Monday night. You would probably know better than us, but is Mark Davis too proud to maybe admit he might have hired the wrong person yeah. to coach this team? Because I, 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 you know, I, I know that there were mistakes made. Tillery's penalty at the end, Amik Robertson's pass interference, Derek Carr's ill-advised throw near the end of the first half, but... There has been yeah. play calling, questionable yeah. play calling all season. Yeah, and, and I don't think it's just Mark Davis either. I think it's 32 owners in the NFL who are too proud to pull the trigger sometimes. You look at what the Texans are going through. The Texans are worse this year than they were last year under David Culley. By all the light, Lovey Smith, and I love Lovey Smith. I, I started my first seat with Tampa Buccaneers and Lovey Smith was there. I'm, I'm close to Lovey Smith. I love Lovey Smith. But by all rights, he should not be the head coach of the Houston Texans next year. But just like the Raiders are doing, they're going through coaches. You hate to fire another coach after one year. You start to get a reputation, and, and coaches don't want to come coach for you, and I get it. Um, so, so I'm just not narrowing that down to Mark Davis. I, I think sometimes when you make a mistake, it's a huge mistake. And it's really hard to change coaches three years in a row, but I, that's where the Raiders and the Texans both are. 
and it's a lot of money on top of that. Let's don't let's don't forget that they're paying a lot of money off these coaching staff to pay them off. So it's money, it's pride, it's reputation, it's all those things, and it's a really hard thing to do. It's a really hard thing um, after you just fired a head coach to fire another head coach and bring on another staff. It's, it's very very difficult. But, but all right, both of those coaches. Head coaches should be gone after this season with, with taking the teams that they had. I picked the Raiders to win that division. I thought they were going to be that good with what they did in the offseason. They're not, obviously. Speaking once again to Shereen Williams from PFT, Hall of Fame writer based out of Arlington. Um, so, Shereen, league-wide, it's been an odd season, maybe. Uh, teams are starting yeah. to emerge, some that we may thought would be there. Some got their strange ways. Crazy season for you? Yeah, it is, and, and it's just been um, – I think with all the different teams that we've seen come back and, and just all the different things we've, we've had happen, you know, the Buccaneers on Monday night. I mean, the last two games, Buccaneers should not have won on Monday night, and, and the Raiders should not have lost that game on, on Thursday night. And so you've just seen so many games like that. It's really been a crazy season. I think it's been a fun season. I think you've seen some – bad teams beat some good teams in, in ways that probably shouldn't happen and, and that has, you know, as a bystander with, without a horse in the race, just watching from afar, it's been a really fun season, I think, to just sit and watch. Well, let me let me ask you this question, though, as a, as a Cowboy fan. I mean, because I really, really love this team and I've been listening to the yeah. sounds of the sidelines and, and um, again, I'm, I'm being selfish here because I'm a diehard Cowboy fan and I know you are, too. Um, is this is this team a different team than what we've seen in the past as far as, like, you know, going going deep in the playoffs, in your well, opinion? Well, you know, yeah, I've been around them a little bit, and I was there on Sunday night and, and, and uh, went, went in a locker room after the game, and I think the leadership is really good on this team, um, and I think you see that. Um, but here's the problem for the Cowboys. Like, they're in the best division in football and probably not going to win that division. Right. But whoever doesn't win that division, whether it's the Cowboys or the Eagles, is really going to be facing an uphill battle. Because I think both of those two teams are really close. I think they're the two best teams in the NFC. And a lot of people are still saying the 49ers. i got to see something from Brock Purdy before I, I put the, the 49ers in that conversation. Right. Maybe the Vikings, but when the Cowboys trash the Vikings, the way they trash the Vikings in Minnesota, I don't think Minnesota scared you. So we're talking the Eagles and the Cowboys, but whoever finishes second in that division is going to have to go on the road. Probably uh-huh. the Tampa Bay in the first round. And you can look Tampa's not very good. Yes, but it's still Tom Brady. Do you want to play Tom Brady in the postseason? I don't want to play Tom Brady in the postseason. No, I don't. So that's what you think. And then you're probably going to have to go to San Francisco in the second round. And then you're probably going to have to go back and go to Philadelphia in the third round. Or if it's Philadelphia, you have to go to Dallas in the third round. So... It's just going to be a really hard route for whoever doesn't win the NFC East to make it. Can they? Absolutely, they can. It's just a harder route for the team that finishes second in the NFC East. And what, what, what's your thoughts about the AFC right now? I mean, obviously the Bengals are playing well, and you got the Chiefs. Yeah. I mean, uh, what, what, what are you seeing there as far as, like, you know, who's, who's got the easiest journey, the toughest journey? Well, you know, when I talked about the two best teams in the AFC, I couldn't name I don't know that I could name the, the two best teams in the AFC. I, I obviously would have said probably the Chiefs before last week, and then the Bengals beat them. So 
is it the Bengals? Is it the Chiefs? Is it the Dolphins? Is it the, uh, the Bills? I picked, before the season started, I picked the Bills to beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl, and I would probably stick with that today. Okay. Uh, even though the Bills have had as many injuries as they've had, uh, they've taken a real gut punch, I think, with some of the losses they've had personnel-wise, probably more than any of the other contenders. So um, I, I don't like the injuries that they've had, but they still have Josh Allen. They still have enough there, I think, I think to win it. But it's a crapshoot. It's truly in the AFC. I think it's a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to say who's going to win that. And I think the Titans could be tough. I don't think the Titans are going to go to the Super Bowl, but I think they could be tough in the postseason because if you can't stop the run, you're going to have a really hard time beating them with Derrick Henry, and their defense is really good. Yeah, I, I, if it does end up Eagles and Bills, we can at least take, uh, I don't know, solace in the fact that the Eagles might be the only team in the NFC East not to beat the Bills. <laughs> that would be the only thing yeah. I'm rooting for, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, we are speaking once again with Shereen Williams. I am battling the, uh, as you can tell, Shereen, my voice, my throat. It's been a nice week out here. Uh, so we're trying to keep that aboard. But uh, we, we appreciate you coming on. So let me ask you this. I want to circle back to the Raiders for a minute. Josh Jacobs, fifth-year option, not picked up. Yeah. He's having a career year. He's on pace to have one. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're likely going to franchise tag him, but you're just your thoughts on, on what he's done. And, you know, I, I, I would love to see this kid get paid. And um, if they don't franchise tag him, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know what, turns around and walks. This is a coaching staff that started him in the Hall of Fame game. Yeah, and I, I will say this, because I don't think the previous staff used Josh Jacobs the right way. I think he's showing this year he's a feature back, and he's one of the best backs in the NFL, and he's tough. The way he came back from that hand injury, finger injury, um, on Thursday night was, was just amazing. And, and he's just a really good running back. And, you know, we, everyone undervalues running back. You can get running backs anywhere. That's mostly true. But there are a handful of running backs that are just so good that you want them on the team, that you want to pay them, you want to give them that second contract. And I think he's one of those guys. And, and yes, they franchise tag him, but they need to sign him to a long-term deal. And it's tough. You're gambling. You're rolling the dice that – He's going to stay healthy, that he's going to have a few more years in him. But I think you have to with him. And this coaching staff has used him the right way. They've shown you that he is a, a franchise running back, that he can carry the load. He can carry 30-plus times a game and be really good and win you some games. And I think I was a little disappointed they didn't use, maybe use him a little bit more late in that game. 20 yards in the fourth quarter, four passing yards. And they kind of forgot that, that Devontae Adams and, and Josh Jacobs are the guys to kind of carry them uh, and get them over the hump and, and kill the clock, which is really all they needed to do. But those are your two main guys. And I just think if you have Devontae Adams and, uh, and Josh Jacobs on your team, you, you've got a chance. And the quarterback's obviously the bigger question at this point. What do they do with their car? And do they go find maybe a better option? And you look at what the Rams did two years ago. They went and found a better job, option at least for one year. Matthew Stafford carried them to the Super Bowl, and they got what they wanted for one year. So it's hard. It's just like we were saying, it's hard to pull the trigger on coaches. Sometimes it's hard to pull the trigger on quarterbacks and say, "This guy, we just don't believe at this point. This guy's going to give us over, the, get us over the hump. We're going to go do whatever it takes to get a better option at quarterback because we think we have all the other parts." And that may be where the Raiders are, and that may be the decision they have to make in the offseason. Maybe they keep the coaching staff and go find a better quarterback. 
Yeah, and that's a conversation definitely for another time because we can talk for that for a whole segment, and I agree with you there. Um, I think that, And I think it would be better for both parties. I think Derek Carr could possibly flourish somewhere where he's not dependent on so much but could be a facilitator as well. Shereen, we're up against it. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for joining us today on Throw the Flag. Oh, thank you guys for having me on Hall of Fame writer Shereen Williams from PFT, fellow Dallas Cowboy fan, fellow journalism aspirations of becoming a journalist as a Cowboy fan. How about that? When we come back, it is my personal segment, Big Willie style. We've been having fun all day, and yes, it's time. Well, we're going to touch upon something that took place this past week because I need to share my opinion on Brittany Griner being back in the United States. We're back on Throw the Flag on ESPN Las Vegas. Oh, what are you doing here, man? Why, you too good to go out with the rest of us? So this chicken yours is real, huh? Hey, how are you? I'm a... That's it. Are you dating my sister? Louie, I know that you can be a little hot-headed. I was going to... Oh! What the hell are you doing right now? What are you doing? You can do better than him. Stop talking about... Now, here's the final flag. I don't want a lot for Christmas. There is just one that is the club scene <laughs> with Cousin Louie. I'm sorry, what's, what, what's, what's his name? Louie. No, 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 no. The, Anoush. Anoush. It's Dan. Dan Adut. He's, an, he's another Anoush. comedian. Uh a great scene in the club toward the end of uh, this last season. And Cousin Louie finds out that Anoush is dating his sister. Right, which is Ralph's daughter. Ralph's daughter. Julia Macchio. Oh, in real life. Yeah. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I had to, had to get another little rejoin from Cobra Kai and uh, Brett. Really appreciate you hanging out with us all morning. It's been fantastic. Brett Ernst, make sure you go check him out at the Strat. So, during the final flag, we try to have some fun with it. Um, favorite, not the best, but your favorite, Lindsay, you can jump in if you want here. Oh, I'm ready. Martial arts movie. Wow. No, I'm not asking you to say what the best is, but maybe, and you, you know, you could have a couple, could have a couple few. Yeah. Blood sports up there. Okay. My, my, that's not Sukal. That's great. Yeah. Uh, the Kumite. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, well, see the karate kid, I. When I was a kid, I, I actually, because my mother was a single mom. She was from New Jersey. We moved to Florida. Yeah. There was those similarities. Yes. Yep. Um, you know, obviously, Karate Kid's in my top five. It, it can't not be. Right. Um, if, if you're a fan, you know. So my son was, uh, I, I got him involved in Olympic-style taekwondo at a young age, and we actually toured the country. And he, he was invited to Colorado Springs to fight it with the USA uh, junior national team and that they, they bring them when they when they go to junior olympics they recruit them at a younger age to train with them so when they get to 12 they can put them on there so we were into whenever we would go out of town we would bring the dvd best of the best oh that's Eric a good one Roberts. too yeah that's a good one and it too. would fire him up so uh we really like best of the best you know what's James a good Rolls one too even though it's not martial arts but was vision quest oh yeah yeah even though the it was about movie. wrestling one. yeah that was a good and one too jordan went into wrestling well lindsey what about you uh i'm a huge fan of kung fu panda okay <laughs> <laughs> i really am 
like there's a great message behind it. I think, you know, the, so much of the martial arts movies are obviously about fighting, but there's just a, there's a there's an ethos behind it as well. And so I think it does a great job of kind of introducing people at younger ages to that whole lifestyle and mindset. And, you know, it's just when I think of, of, of martial arts, I think Jack Black, you know, why, why wouldn't you? Sure. Well, if, if we're doing fighting all together, the greatest movie of all time is Rocky. Hands down. Really? Oh, all, all time. It's a love story. People don't even realize It's that. a love story. That, I, okay, so here's the thing. I will go with you on that. Wally Matthews, you know who Wally Matthews is? No. Wally Matthews was a columnist out of New York. Daily News, New York Post, famous boxing writer. I, I never really said it was the greatest boxing movie, um, but it's definitely one of the greatest love stories that involves a sport. The more that you watch it and get into it, especially as a sports writer, I lost it lost the appeal of the boxing movie, but it stayed with well, it, but, but you know, it, First of all, it's a story about a guy who doesn't know where he's at in life. Then he right. meets this girl that is like him. Right. They fall in love. Right. Then the next thing you know, you're in a sports movie. Right. But if you're really going to look at it, because it's an AFI's top five films of all time. Right. Um, it, it, it is more of a, a, a story about, you know, personal achievement, uh, uh, testing yourself, and it's a love story that it revolves around boxing. Well, since you just now, now that, now that we've expanded from It's the greatest movie of all time, by the way, un, undebatable. And then, then it goes Godfather, Goodfellas. Oh, my goodness. Then, now uh, we're going to have Rocky IV no. ended the Cold we're War. Where's Shawshank no. Redemption in there? <laughs> no. the great, first of all, uh, hush, everybody. The greatest movie of all time, hands down, is Casablanca oh with boy. Humphrey Bogart. Well, not a Number two is Godfather. Well, not according to AFI, but that's okay. Oh, Don't forget Spy Kids. Don't forget Saturday Night Fever. Okay, well, now, okay. <laughs> By the way, all my movies are, have Italian Americans. <laughs> oh, forget about it. This, this guy over here, huh? It comes in and takes over. I told Lindsay, I said, the voice, when we first started before you got here, I said, I think it's kind of fitting that, the, that my voice is like this. Because now I can, hey, you know, I can talk like this a little bit with you. You know what I'm saying? Let me ask you real quick before we go, because we're going to be up against it here. Talk like Frankie Five Angels. Yeah. Did, did you ever, um, with your acting career, or you know, as you, you told us how you got to go? But when you look back, you ever wish that you maybe The Sopranos could have got on that? Uh, yeah, man, of course. I mean, you know, I had just started when that was starting to blow up. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't get my acting chops yet. Can we so. agree? Greatest show of all time? Yeah, that, yeah. The Wire. Yeah, oh, The Wire, I, I just watched recently. Well, Sopranos changed the game, man. Oh, it's fantastic. And uh, uh, a good friend just, you know, from Knockaround back in the day, used to be the Riviera Entertainment Director, Steve Sharippa. Yeah, he used to great book the, the Riv over there, the comedy club. Coach told me he booked them back in the day. Yeah, Couldn't believe Steve's that. a great guy, man. Yeah, really, really, uh, fantastic guy. We texted not too long ago. We tried to get him on the show, but he's tough to get on. You know, he's, he's always busy and going here and there. So, uh, once again, thank you to our guest, Coach Barry Odom, UNLV football, Shereen Williams, and my guest host today, Brett Ernst from Cobra Kai. Go see him at the Stratosphere. Lindsay every Brown, Tuesday and Wednesday, 10 o'clock. Every Tuesday and Wednesday, 10 o'clock. Lindsey Brown, James Davis, Willie Ramirez, ESPN Las Vegas.